How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Uh, welcome to episode 27 of X-Lapsed, where we're going to be discussing one of the Betsy books. We're talking about Excalibur, volume 4, number 3. Now, this one had a February 2020 cover date, and uh, if you've been following along with this show, you know the Betsy books are usually at the bottom of the stack for me. So uh, let's see if this one, uh, if this one maybe uh, changes its fortunes a bit, or if it, uh, you know, falls exactly where I might think it will. Uh, the issue is called Verse 3, Three Covenants, written by Teeny Howard, art by Marcus Toe, colors by Eric Arsenaga, letters VCs Corey Petit, designs Tom Muller, head of X's Hickman, the edits are Bisa White and Sobolski. Cover price $3.99 American, this went on sale December 4th, 2019. Looks like December 4th was a pretty, uh, pretty expensive day for X-Fans at the comic shop. We had a... I think all three books we've discussed over the past three episodes have been that same day. Anyway, let's get into it. We uh, get our usual three comic-less pages out of the way first. So we'll start with our roll call. We've got Captain Britain. Of course, that's Betsy. We got Apocalypse, and, uh, I mean, they're still not referring to him by his new name on the roll call? Hmm. Uh, Jubilee, Gambit, Rogue, Shogo, Richter, Morgan Le Fay, Mariana Stern, and Brian Braddock. Then we get those couple of pages of credits, and then, believe it or not, comics. So we open at an apartment building, where a man is watching the television news while trying to work up the gumption to take a single step outside. The news is talking about Krakoa, naturally. I mean, what else is going on? Uh, more specifically, however, the proximity of, of Krakoan gateways to schools. Because it would seem some mutants ain't wearing clothes when they emerge out the other side. Uh, we get... We get some man-on-the-street dialogue from someone who proclaims that, in America, we keep our clothes on in public. And uh, this feels kind of like it wants to be one of those like really played-out Merca jokes. Um, but it's, uh, it's kind of hard to argue with this attempted straw man if we're talking about mutants running around, you know, stark raving naked outside of buildings full of children. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Or maybe I've just been beaten over the head by... Uh, by straw men in comics over the past decade or so. Uh, anywho, you want to meet who is the occupant of this apartment? Because uh, it's actually a fellow we already know. It's Julio Richter. And you see, it seems as though he's no longer in full control of his earth-shaking powers. You see, with every step he takes, the ground begins to rumble. So he laments his current lot in life as he receives numerous psychic invitations to Krakoa, but he just can't bring himself to go. He throws himself down on his bed, and which we can see is, like, mostly rubble. We get an info page, because we couldn't possibly get more than three pages of actual comics content in a row, and 
here we get a mutant message board. Oh boy, I wonder if we're on the dark web. I mean, that, that's where we hang out. Uh, no, it's actually just a regular site. Uh, it's actually mutantsunmuted.com, which if you enter that into your favorite browser right now, it redirects to Marvel's Hoxpox page. So I guess they, they, did, the, uh, <laughs> they did the extra work and they, they bought the domain. Now, this looks like a very sparse sort of message board, uh, kind of evocative of the old Usenet BBSs I used to spend many, many hours on back in the mid to late 90s. Um, anywho, we get a member here announcing that they're using a throwaway account, which feels more Reddity than Usenet-y, um, because back on Usenet, I mean, those were... If someone told you I'm using my real name, you'd probably faint. Um, now, this person, using the throwaway, inquires about potential power surges since Krakoa did its thing. They don't get much of a response, though in fairness, they weren't all that specific about, uh, you know, as they should have been when describing the problem. Somebody writes back and says, hey, what, what kind of po- powers do you have? And they don't want to say. Um, I'm assuming this is Richter's throwaway. I mean, there's really no reason to think it's anybody else. Next, we jump from the somewhat interesting to, well, Morgan Le Fay. We're back in Camelot. And she still can't seem to purge the scrying pool of the Krakoan weeds. You see, every time it's clean, they just keep coming back. Morgan asks a, uh, you know, a knight of some sort to fetch her mirror. And she does the, uh, the mirror, mirror thing in order to con- make contact with the, uh, you know, the scariest of all PTA moms, the dread Mariana Stern. Uh, Stern assures Lafay that she can count on the coven Akaba. Uh, and it's all very boring. Uh, this conversation is thankfully interrupted when Morgan notices a great big dragon flying past her castle. Oh yeah, the dragon! I nearly forgot about our great big cliffhanger from last issue. So yeah, baby Shogo turned into a dragon in Otherworld. But despite the gravity of last issue's final panel, it really ain't no big thing. You see, Shogo's a baby. Fairies love babies. Otherworld's full of fairies. Ipso facto, Shogo could be whatever the hell he wants to be when he's in Otherworld. And from the looks of it, he wants to be a dragon. Now, Jubilee is nervous that Shogo might get hurt. Betsy assures her that Shogo will be fine. Gambit continues to whinge about leaving Comatose and Floral Rogue alo- alone with Apocalypse. And so, a page of bickering ensues. Then, Dragon Shogo offers to fly our trio to Camelot to try and rescue Brian Braddock. Speaking of Brian, we get a full page of him bound and chained within Camelot. Really not sure why he's being chained, since every word coming out of his mouth seems to be exactly the sort of thing that Morgan would like to hear. He's More or less, he's saying he wants to kill Betsy, and I think that's what uh, Morgan wants. Now, our trio of heroes arrive at Camelot and are immediately engaged in battle with a whole fleet of knights, and they're soon overwhelmed. And uh, by soon, I mean like less than a half dozen panels into the fight. Betsy asked Jubilee if Shogo could take part, considering, you know, he's a giant fire-breathing dragon. Uh, after some hemming and hawing, Jubilee relents, and Shogo returns to the fray and, uh, well, you know, fire-breathes. But then, Brian Braddock arrives, clad in black armor and chains. Betsy then delivers what uh, might be the line of the month. She says, Brian, my beautiful brother, what have they done to you? Okay. Uh, now the Braddocks cross swords for a bit before Shogo intervenes with some more fire breathing. Our heroes hop onto the baby's back and beat a hasty retreat. Now Betsy doesn't want to leave, but at this juncture she doesn't have all that much of a choice. 
As they fly away, Morgan psychically speaks at her, toasting to their respective reigns as reluctant warrior queens. I think this was supposed to feel a bit more meaningful than it actually did, though, in fairness, I'm having a hell of a time connecting with this story at all. How about an info page? Let's do an info page. Uh, now, this is an Otherworld-themed document for MI-13, Black Air, and the like. Uh, what, no weird happenings organization? I think that's the only one they left out. It's pretty dull. Though, again, these are not concepts I've ever been able to really connect with uh, in my decades of reading the X-Books. I, I don't care about MI-13 and, and their, their ilk. Um... Now, this document lists some known Otherworld assets, and it's basically a who's who from the old-school Marvel UK and Excalibur. Uh, we got Brian, Betsy, and Jamie Braddock. We got Megan. We got Morgan Le Fay. We got Kitty Pride, Courtney Ross, so the, the Saturnining is beginning. We got Rachel Summers. We got Nightcrawler. We jump back to comics, and we're back at the lighthouse, and we see a about to step through a Krakoan portal. He arrives in a park, maybe Central Park, they seem to go there a lot. Uh, he saunters through some crowded streets before arriving at an apartment building. And, duh, it's Richter's. He invites Julio to Krakoa and assures him that there's nothing that Richter might break that he can't fix. And so Richter decides to come along. Which makes it all the more surprising when they step through the portal and arrive back in Cornwall, England. You see, Richter expected to, to be uh, chilling at Carousel, it seems, and he's a bit disappointed. He wants to go where the party's at, and it sure isn't here. Now, even more disappointing for all of us involved is the fact that upon arrival in Cornwall, they are greeted by MI-13's finest, Mr. Peter Wisdom. And that's where we end it. The next book we'll be covering is New Mutants number 3, but how about we talk about what we just experienced here. Now, Betsy and Morgan had their little seem like a goodbye, kinda. And if this is truly the end of our time for with Morgan Le Fay for now, I think I'll give this book top honors for the number threes, the Dawn of X number threes. I'll put this at the top if we can get rid of Morgan for a bit. Can, can we, like, stuff her and Otherworld into a drawer for just a little while? Uh, I mean, these bits are just outrageously dull. They're almost aggressively boring. Um, so if she's gone, I think we can officially bury the hatchet with this little series here. We'll, 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 we'll go into it with a whole renewed vigor <laughs> with, uh, with episode, with issue four, you know? Um, but where to begin with this issue? I suppose we could start with the cliffhanger from last issue. It, uh, well, it resolved itself pretty quickly, and I mean, the way it all worked out was fine enough, right? Pretty inoffensive and uh, kind of silly in a way that I like seeing Otherworld. You know, I don't like seeing Otherworld as anything but silly. I mean, this and this was so silly, it could have been a beat from an old Alan Davis issue or something, and that's not a bad thing. I'm totally cool with ramping up the wackiness in, uh, in Otherworld, rather than, you know, Morgan Le Fay staring into a scrying pool. That's the, that, could just, uh, that can go kick a cow. The Battle with the Knights, it ate up pages, I guess. Um, really didn't do a whole lot for me. Uh, and it didn't feel all that final, you know? I think I think it was supposed to be like evocative of like a very climactic scene, and it just didn't come with any of that oomph. Uh, I mean, Betsy just cries over her beautiful brother, and uh, and they X their swords for a little bit, right? <laughs> that's, that's what they do. 
now, as we become accustomed, this issue shined brightest while A was on panel. Though the Richter opener was really good, too. I like that. I remember reading somewhere that he was part of the team. Uh, I think he's even on the cover of Excalibur number 1, so it's cool to finally see him within the pages. Uh, and to be honest, I'm interested in seeing where his story goes alongside uh, A. I am a bit less interested in hanging out with Pete Wisdom for the foreseeable future, though. Um, I feel like Wisdom, he's a character that can be interesting, you know? Um, it seems like only when a certain guy is writing him, because I think that he might be somewhat of an author insert for this certain guy, uh, this Warren Ellis, of course. Um, I think Pete Wisdom really worked best in the original, his original run, uh, throughout Excalibur back in it was probably the late 90s at this point it feels like everyone since who has had wisdom in their books have been trying to recapture what Ellis was able to do with him and to this point in my opinion no one's been able to and uh, I'm not all that confident that this next bit will change my mind uh, if uh, these past three issues are anything to go by overall though Warts and all, uh, my complaining and all, this is probably the strongest issue of Excalibur yet. Though that isn't exactly setting the bar all that high. Um, scary but true, I think I might actually slot Excalibur number three above whatever the hell X-Men number three was all about If when we do our list at the end of the week. Um, I'm looking forward to what's to come in hopes that we might get an issue away from Otherworld because I, you know these are characters I enjoy. I enjoy... Most of this team, right? And uh, we just haven't been able to get them in the uh, in the context that I want to see them just yet. Uh, the other world stuff just kind of gets in the way to me. It's uh, it's the kind of scenery that I just get kind of stuck in and I get bored by. But uh, that said, it probably doesn't sound like I liked it all that much, but I actually liked it better than the previous two issues of Excalibur. So we're headed in the right direction. But, uh, I, wow, this, this might actually be the shortest episode of X-Lapse yet, because we're through the book, um, and it's been quick. Uh, but before I let you go, let's hop into the mailbag here. We got a, uh, we got a double take from Damien today, and, uh, the first one will be regarding X-Force number two, and he says, And we come to the first Dawn of X issue I have read solely to follow along with X-Lapsed. I know your biggest fear is an X-Men reboot, but reading this one, I wish we could reboot Beast. I know he's in character, but I want him to be the happy-go-lucky guy from the Avengers and early X-Factor. I agree 100%. Um, this might just be me projecting, but I feel like writers have been using Beast for at least the past decade or so in order to channel some, some of their more like skeptical points of view. And I don't mean skeptical... In purely the religious sense, um, I mean just he's kind of become their. I, I I hate the the Mary Sue or whatever, but he's just there to give their point of view. I feel, and uh, I think, and, and and it's smart to use Beast because I think they realize that the readership respects Beast as a character, and as such, he's the best choice to be the one who who can question everything and who can um, voice dissent in a, uh, in a logical sort of way. That said, while I agree that he's the best one to like funnel that sort of stuff through, 
He's been an absolute bore to read for as long as I can remember at this point. He's not fun. He's not silly. He's just kind of that pain-in-the-ass know-it-all. Um, I think I mentioned the last time we discussed Beast and his portrayal, he's just the kind of guy I'd hate to be stuck in an elevator with at this point. He just seems like a really, really annoying guy. Um, I, I mean, even if we go back to, like, right after Dark Rain, where, you know, where they were going to make Marvel fun again with, like, the heroic age... They threw Beast into Secret Avengers, I think it was, back when they launched, like, 700 new Avengers books. He wasn't fun there either. <laughs> it wasn't fun. It wasn't interesting. It was just more of the same. Um, it's almost like he he might be beyond repair at this point. Uh, though, again, again, I might be projecting here. I, he is a character that I, I've, I've loved and I've enjoyed. Um, he, he's... I own... I own two Funko Pops, and uh, one of them is Beast. You know, I I really do enjoy the character when he's uh, when he's on point. You know. Now, uh, Damien continues. You're right that Kid Omega is the best thing in the issue, but this really isn't enough to make up for all the gory body horror. Yes, they are pretty liberal with the gore here, aren't they? Um, I can't say that I'm much of a fan of that myself. I mean, and this might just be me, my my weird addled mind here, but uh, I don't get the fascination with making everything look like meat. Like, I wonder if there's some sort of subconscious reaction to seeing sentient meat that just makes us feel ill, feel like ill at ease or just plain ill. I, I'm reminded of growing up and seeing uh, Doom Patrol covers, like the Grant Morrison run of Doom Patrol, and like. It felt like everything on the covers was, like, made out of, like, meat, or looked like meat. Uh, again, maybe I'm just a weirdo. But that actually kept me from trying Doom Patrol until I was a little bit older, because it was just I, it was just so ugly. Um, and, I mean, you look at it now, or I look at it as a grown-up, and it's it's some very, you know, it's some very impressive work. It's just not the kind of thing you want to, like, really, you know, feast your eyes on. Uh, back to Damien, he says, I was par- particularly surprised that Xavier hasn't been resurrected yet. I just presumed he'd be walking around again before the credits. And yeah, that was my main worry as well. I, I really thought they were going to pull the gotcha straight away just to further drive home the point that, you know, the stakes have changed, right? I mean, that's kind of the gimmick here. So I was uh, I was pretty surprised myself. Uh, Damien continues, uh, I really don't recall his death being mentioned much in the books I kept reading. It's odd that only Kitty Pride has been shown reacting. Maybe I skimmed over those scenes. And yes, Kitty uh, reacted in Marauders number two before she, uh, you know, went and, and got tattooed. And uh, we saw Magneto kind of brooding for a little bit in Fallen Angels number one when he met with Psylocke. Um, other than that, I mean, the mutants are still dancing a carousel, right? <laughs> so it mustn't be all that big a deal. Uh, it, it is very, very strange that that this is not... It's not being reacted to. I mean, Black Tom feels guilty over it, but it doesn't seem like anybody else is all that bothered, which, I don't know. That, that, that makes me want to get my umbrella, you know, just to, to, get, to, to dodge them shoes. Uh, Damien continues, and he says, I suppose I need to go and read Fallen Angels number two now, the things I put myself through to keep up with X-Lapsed. Well, by now, you know... All about how I felt about uh, <laughs> about Fallen Angels number two. So consider this my belated apology. I am sorry. <laughs> now, while on that subject, 
How about we check in with Damien again and see how he felt about Fallen Angels number two, eh? He says, you're incredibly fair-minded about Fallen Angels number two. It's possibly the worst X-book I've ever read. Which, uh, I, I took that as a challenge. And I thought, hmm. Thought to myself, self, let's find a worse X-book. And so I really racked my brain trying to think of some worse X-books. And uh, immediately my mind went to went to uh, the, the X-Fan killer. You know, I, I've, met, I've met a lot of folks who were into the X-Men really, really hardcore. And so many of them left at this one particular point. And uh, if you know the name I'm about to say, you could say it with me. Chuck Austin. Um, I, my mind immediately went to Chuck Austin. And, uh, I think I enjoyed Chuck Austin more than I enjoyed this Fallen Angels. (laughs) I can't believe I'm saying that. I mean, there were scenes in that Chuck Austin run where Archangel... Archangel had sex with Husk in the sky in front of her parents. I mean... That was a scene that happened. We had the Draco, or the Draco, however you say that, revealing Nightcrawler's father was the devil. I mean, there was a lot of garbage in there, but maybe that was like the car crash kind of comics, where it's like, you can't look away, and at least you get some enjoyment out of making fun of it. Where Fallen Angels is just something that is dull and takes itself very seriously. Um, So it's hard to even enjoy making fun of it. Um... So, yeah, the Chuck Austin run, I think I'd slot that a little bit ahead of this. Uh, Maybe the latter half of Mutant X is worse. Now, Mutant X, (laughs) for folks who don't remember it, well, A, congratulations, and B, Mutant X was was what flew out, or it spun out of uh, X-Factor. The uh, first run of X-Factor, I think it was canceled with issue 147, 148, maybe 149. Um, and instead of getting, yeah, it was 149, because instead of getting 150, we got Mutant X number one. And in that, in the final issue of X-Factor, uh, it looked like Havoc died. But in reality, he was sent to this other unit, this other dimension, the Mutant X dimension here. And that's where you saw, like, Bloodstorm, the Vampire Storm, and a, like, an amphibious beast. And, uh, I think it was a vampire angel, too. It was, or like, he, it was an angel with bat wings or something. It was... It had a good five or six issues, but by the end of it, the whole thing was about a war between the United States and Canada. The Beyonder showed up. The Beyonder turned out to be Madeline Pryor. And then Dracula showed up and bit like everybody, turning them into vampires. Havoc got bit at least once. It was just a disaster. So maybe, maybe Mutant X is worse. Maybe Mutant X is worse. Uh, and that was, uh, of course, written by Howard Mackey. So we can stick with Howard Mackey here. And we can look at The Brotherhood, which was uh, also written by Howard Mackey, but he was so tarnished by Mutant X that he couldn't even sign his name to it. So it was The Brotherhood was actually written by someone named X. X, the, 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 the secret writer, who was eventually revealed to be Howard Mackey to the surprise of nobody. That was pretty bad. That was pretty bad, but... But again, is that something that is so bad that we can laugh at it, right? Um, then there's X-Men Unlimited number four. 
a book so bad that the writer of it went on Usenet to make fun of it under a uh, under a under a screen name under an, an assumed name. Uh, Scott Lobdell wrote it. It was garbage, and he went on to Usenet under the name Kid York to make fun of it because it was that bad. I don't know. So maybe if anybody out there can think of something worse than Fallen Angels and and. And if you really enjoy Fallen Angels, I'm ju- I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I'm just making f- I'm just having a good time. Uh, but I mean, even the X books that caused me to recently run for the hills, you know, X Men Blue, X Men Gold. I can't outright say they're bad, right? Uh, they they definitely weren't for me, but they weren't exactly what I'd consider to be bad. So uh, yeah, if anyone out there can think of anything worse than Fallen Angels, Fallen Angels number two in particular. Reach out and let us know, so we can, uh, <laughs> so we can, uh, you know, spread the word. Uh, back to Damien's message here. He uh, he did his rankings from best to worst for the issue number twos. His number one was Marauders. Number two was New Mutants. Number three was X Men. Four was X Force. Five was Excalibur, and six was Fallen Angels. And uh, we're not that different. Our Marauders are out of uh, are out of order, but everything else seems to be in line. Uh, Damien continues, uh, or he wraps up with, uh, So reading along with you has made me appreciate X-Force a lot more, and we really don't agree on Marauders. I'd put money on your top book changing for the number threes, which I'm guessing that is to say that I'm not going to enjoy our death burdening in New Mutants number three. (laughs) Well, we'll find that out next episode, because that will be the topic that we'll be discussing. Hopefully, uh... Hopefully I'll be able to get something out of it. Uh, <laughs> or maybe, just maybe, I'm setting my expectations so low right now that anything that happens will be good. You know, we'll just have to wait and see. But I think that's where we'll wrap it up today. If uh, you'd like to get a hold of me, a hold of the show, uh, you could do so at Ace Comics on Twitter or at WeirdComicsHistory at gmail.com. You can find the show notes and the good stuff at chrisisoninfiniteearths.com and xlapsed.chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. You can find the audio archives at chrisandreggie.podbean.com, where you can find thousands of hours of audio to fill thousands of hours of your time. Um, Also, uh, I am, as mentioned, I'm using the Cosmic T-Mill Twitter account to to reshare the archives, so maybe open up... To uh, a new a new audience, uh, you know, let some folks who might have missed some of the older stuff know that it's out there. So uh, if you're not following there, maybe give it a follow. You might uh, you might find a show that uh, might might find a show that interests you that you didn't know we had. Um, Facebook, find us at '90s X Men, and uh, yeah, I think that's it. So before I uh, cut you all loose, just one more giant thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, this episode actually is the one month anniversary of this show. The first episode hit on September 1st. This is October 1st, so made it a full month, 27 episodes. Not a not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. So thank you all for being with me on this journey. Thank you all for reaching out. Thank you all for, uh, for listening. And uh, till next time, I will uh, talk to you again real soon. See ya.